Welcome back to another episode of the Demand Efficiency Podcast with me, your host, Eli Rubel, formerly Elias, but hey, names are hard. This is the show where we unpack and benchmark the methods and tactics used to reduce CAC by the most efficient and fastest growing companies in tech. Frequent listeners will know demand efficiency is a leading indicator and North Star metric for teams focused on reducing CAC. And in each episode, we'll evaluate how the best companies in the industry are driving down their cost to acquire while still achieving remarkable growth. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Demand Efficiency Podcast. I'm really excited about today's episode. I chatted with Chris Kohler. He is the CMO at Box. Chris and I have chatted before, but this conversation was really, really focused on one of the areas within the demand efficiency framework where Chris and his team at Box actually had a perfect score within the demand efficiency framework. And that was around their nurture programs and sales enablement to mission-critical levers within the demand efficiency framework. So before we get to that case and you hear in Chris's own words how they are driving excellence across those two levers and what tactical steps their teams have taken, how they've prioritized their efforts there, let me back up a little bit and provide some context and thought. So you'll hear me talk on the show, you've probably heard me talk on the show about surfaces a lot and how in order to drive efficient demand, there are a lot of microsurfaces that you need to give attention to in order for the demand to be efficient and not cost an arm and a leg, in order for your cost to acquire and your unit economics to ultimately get into a good place or get into a better place. And how these are typically ignored spaces or ignored surfaces because a lot of the time they're either individually too small of a lever. They feel like they're just lower priority than, than the bigger kind of mission critical or exciting themes that you're working on for the quarter. But in aggregate, they can lead to cutting your costs to acquire in half if held accountable on the whole and experimented with and improved on the whole. So it'd be no surprise that one of those incredibly important areas with many surfaces is your nurture program. At a company like Box, where, as you'll hear, they're, you know, they're at over a billion dollar run rate, they have a lot of services within their nurture program. And so keeping that straight, I think we can learn some lessons around how to architect for success early on when things aren't yet that complex. For those of you who, who maybe haven't gone deep yet on nurture programs, I think we'll all be in various states of sophistication here. So we're talking about things like accelerating middle funnel conversions, having programs and levers in place to accelerate middle funnel conversions, increasing post-close retention, land and expand within existing accounts, activating leads that didn't convert, increasing free-to-paid conversions, tier-to-tier upsells, right? All of these are really, really critical levers that we can pull to drive incremental revenue. And depending on the, the maturity of the business, some of these might be less relevant. Some of them might be not as important or there might not be as much meat on the bone to focus on them now. But getting that initial framework in place early just means there'll be less work and less catch-up to do down the road. And you'll begin to develop that muscle memory as a team 
to not ignore these spaces, right? You don't want to suddenly realize that you've been ignoring tier-to-tier upsells until all of a sudden when you do unlock it, it's this huge chunk of revenue. I mean, great, cool, we have this huge chunk of found revenue, but wouldn't it be better to just develop that as, as a muscle and a talent as a team early on and instill that into the DNA of not ignoring these nooks and crannies that a lot of companies tend to ignore for far too long. It would also come as no surprise that one of the things Chris cites when he's referencing, if we were to start from scratch, where would we start? It's that connection with the sales organization. It's bringing the sales organization closer to the marketing organization and really thinking of each other as an extension of the other one's organization. When you think about sales enablement and nurture, bringing those insights, those conversations closer into the DNA of your demand and marketing program, only good things can come from that and vice versa. All right, so I'll I'll come down off my soapbox. We're going to cut to my conversation with Chris around how they are driving such strong nurture programs, such sophistication, and really having sales enablement and nurture as strategic demand efficiency levers within their business. Chris, I'm really excited to have you on the show today to be our case. Today, specifically, we're talking about how you have such methodical and mature sales enablement and nurture programs throughout your different lines of business and products at Box. Could you just talk us through, you know, how did you get to this point of maturity? Yeah, I mean, it, it's an evolution for sure. And, and I think, you know, the benefit we have is we have 110,000 customers and we, and our go-to-market is across multiple segments, you know, everywhere from like enterprise, mid-market, SMB, e-commerce, and we have a freemium offer. So you have to think about sort of the customer experience in mind. And how do you build discrete programs across that? I don't even like to call it funnels. I actually call it about on the customer lifecycle because otherwise you're going to be confused around what are we trying to accomplish, right? And I've got to give my team clear instruction around here's our go-to-market motion. Here's what we're doing. We've got a very strong sort of cross-sell land and expand motion as part of that, but then do it in conjunction with the sales team and quite frankly, and the CS team in, in, in some of these cases where we basically said, okay, here's a persona, here's what we need to go do from sort of middle of funnel. Here's how we build pipeline. Here's cross sell. And we're very strong around data science and making sure that we actually have a strong partnership with our data science team. So these are data driven versus like, you know, basically us guessing what, what actually is going to work. So I'd love to rewind just a step to before state, before you were you know, in this nirvana of having these programs that were well orchestrated and everyone knew what was going on. If we could, I mean, to give the listeners some context, you scored perfectly in the nurture section of the demand efficiency framework. So you have programs to accelerate middle of funnel conversions, increase post-close retention, land and expand within existing accounts, activate leads that didn't convert, increase free-to-paid conversions, tier-to-tier upsells. I mean, the list goes on. And again, you had coverage across all of those. So maybe if you could take us into your mind before those all existed, how did you prioritize? How did you prioritize? Let's start there. Yeah, I mean, again, this didn't happen overnight, right? I've been in in this seat for three and a half years. And and when I when I took over, there was there was still a lot of like top of the funnel, middle of funnel, big focus on on prospects, right? Is like, how do we continue to drive? But we have 100,000, 110,000 customers. So we took a step back and I, I have an interesting background 
where I've been in the CS side of the house as well. So I, you know, we took a step back and said, okay, how do we think about that entirety of the customer journey? And where is there opportunity to slowly over time build programs? You know, for instance, you said we have a, a whole thesis around freemium, right? For us, we're, we're not trying to get freemium customers so that they pay us $10 a month. We're actually trying to build a freemium model that gets folded into the enterprise. And so that we can go in and our sales team could go have a conversation saying, hey, large customer X, you have a thousand free accounts. We should probably bring them into your existing enterprise. And it's a cross-sell and an upsell opportunity as part of that. So we looked at that. And then from a nurturing perspective, right, we've got to build tons and tons of pipeline. We're you know going to cross the bill. We crossed the billion dollar threshold from a revenue perspective. So again, you got to build a lot of pipeline. You have lots of marketing spend that doesn't necessarily convert. How do we nurture that and build a program and sort of keep going from that perspective. And like I said, if we have 100,000 customers, like we need to go after them and figure out we've been, we've created tons of product um, enhancements and opportunities. Like how do we build a program, you know, in partnership with our sales team, where do we go focus? And that's very data driven, you know, as we use the product data and usage data and everything else to find where there's opportunities and how do you prioritize? I love that. So I'm also curious and I think our listeners would enjoy hearing, you know, it's a lot of moving pieces when you think about all of the experiments you must be running across each of these segments of the user journey, buyer journey, all the workflows that are in place to make sure things are triggering at the right time, make sure certain teams are notified of certain things at certain moments. How do you keep that organized from a team perspective? <laughs> I mean, we're not, we're not perfect. Right. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's my team would probably say, you know, there's a lot of, you know, examples where we didn't get it right. But I think you have to, you have to take a step back and really build cross-functional teams that work and meet on an ongoing basis. And communication is clearly important. So how do we partner with our sales team and figure out, Hey, here are the campaigns are going. Here's the messaging we're working through. Here are the channels we're going to work through. And Oh, by the way, here's content that you can reach out as well. And it's like in coordinated efforts. So we've got calendars, you know, that we think through thematically where we get, where are we going to focus as, as part of this? What do we have running across? Like you said, each of those, those segments. So I think the key is over-communicate with your partners as part of that and making sure that uh, they're in the loop of all the things that's in market. And then uh, we have a couple different sort of ongoing operational forums where we review what's working, what's not working, how do we adjust? And um, like I said, keep harping on this, but we're super data-driven around everything that we do. Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns content, product marketing assets, you name it. If it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out is 2,500 a month, uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out. Noboringdesign.com. Noboringdesign.com. And then as far as now, I'm just thinking about listeners out there who are building their teams and beginning to create some scale. 
you know, some teams model themselves in a way where they have teams that are dedicated to expansion motion or teams that are dedicated to, you know, like teams that own a specific piece of the buying journey or user experience marketing side across all products. And that's their zone of excellence. And then there are other teams where they build, you know, like a fairly autonomous team that can handle the full experience and they're attached to a specific product and owning that full experience for that specific product. How have you organized the teams at Box and how does that work for you? It depends on the route to market, you know, full disclosure. Like in our e-commerce business, we think a lot about how do we how do we basically acquisition, cross-sell, upsell and and retention. So we actually have people thinking about that entire and they're all in one team. That's for our e-commerce motion. For our more enterprise segments, we think about this in more what is the route to market in the segment. So we might have someone focused on a key vertical marketing, right? And they're working through and they've got a counterpart in product marketing that together they're figuring out from a campaign perspective, what's the messaging, how are we going, what's the targeting and all of that. So it's a little bit of a hybrid, right? Where you have to figure out, and again, it can get really overwhelming when you sort of have this multi-dimensional matrix of what we, you know, we're a very horizontal solution. So we sell to lots of different verticals, right? We have a couple different buyer groups as we think through that. And then we've got different messaging that goes in, in into the enterprise versus SMB versus our, our e-commerce segment. So that sort of matrix can get really complicated. I think you just need to sit, take a step back and have a discrete sort of set of activities and a program for each one of those and outline that so that you can focus on what matters and what moves the needle. Got it. So that the individuals who are collaborating with a counterpart in a different org, they're all focused on that one enterprise product. Like that's their, their zone of genius is their specific segment of the funnel, but only thinking about the enterprise product, not thinking about multiple products within the box suite. Yeah. So I think again, there's, again, it's fairly, but if I, if I use like a vertical, for instance, like in financial services, Hey, we want to go build a campaign. We're going to go after these. We have, we don't necessarily have vertical products, but our messaging and our use cases and those things might be different. So you'll have someone thinking about campaign. What's the target audience? How do we work through that? But I might have someone on, in our solutions marketing organization that thinks about financial services as a vertical. They're working super closely together to figure out, okay, what's our route to market? And then, Oh wait, what about the sales team? Where do we have verticalized sales teams? Where do we have generalists? How do we get that message? What's the enablement to all that? So again, it's sort of aligned. They may not be one specific group, but they're sort of functionally aligned around the, you know, the area that they're trying to solve. Yeah, love it. Well, this has been really, really insightful. I think that our listeners have plenty of things to think about as they're architecting their own orgs, beginning to scale, and really thinking through how do they provide support through that entire buyer experience. Yeah, and I, and I think you have to just start small and sort of iterate and build over time. Because again, if you try to boil the ocean, as everyone, you know, that's, you know, the saying goes, like, you'll get overwhelmed very, very quickly. And then you end up trying to be everything to everyone. And the reality is your effectiveness goes, you know, drops pretty significantly, like do a few things really well and build upon that. So let's do, let's do, I have two more questions for you just to wrap, kind of rapid fire. If you were to stack rank all of those pieces that you are doing today within Nurture, where, and you're starting from scratch, where would you start? Like, this is my P0, P1, P2, P3. Let's go through three. <laughs> That's like saying which of my children. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think one of the things that we, it's sort of an aha moment for us is 
thinking about our, our CRO, Mark Whalen, and I talk about this a lot, like thinking about our sellers as an extension of of the organization, right? And actually having tighter collaboration and making sure that everything that we do from a demand perspective is tied in even more tightly with every seller in the organization. So I think that connective tissue in hindsight probably could have been better over the last several years, for sure. I think the next thing is how do you, how do we drive sort of data driven sales plays in conjunction with cross sell and upsell? critically important, but that's at our scale, right? We have to go after, we've got so many customers, we can grow just cultivating the, the existing base as part of that. So I'd say those are probably my you know, top two that, that we spend a tremendous amount of time thinking through what's the motion around that. All right. So there you have it. That's what uh, excellence in nurture and sales enablement look like, sound like, smell like when you are at a billion dollar run rate company like Chris is today at Box. Really impressive. But let's unpack this a bit for folks who are listening who are saying, okay, Chris, it's an incredibly sales-led organization, at least on the enterprise side of their business. And maybe some of our listeners are at product-led companies who don't have an enter- a large enterprise motion right now. They're more focused on you know, product-led sales assist. How can you take cues from these learnings and apply them at a product-led organization? Great question. In many ways, product-led organizations actually think through nurture a lot earlier than sales-led organizations do. Usually sales-led organizations will develop excellence in selling, in prospecting, and closing deals. And then they'll look to marketing to figure out, okay, how can you assist us in land and expand? How can you assist us in expediting the middle of the funnel? Whereas with a product-led motion, product-led company, these are questions that the product organization typically is asking of their onboarding experience, of their activation experience. And so this can be thought of as an extension of that. Just because you have a great onboarding experience and you have growth loops built into the product, it doesn't mean you're done. And this is really where marketing can take that ball and run with it for the sales assist side of the motion. You have emerging tools out there like Endgame, for example, where they can help unveil product usage data and insights in the product and surface those to sales leaders or sales reps when interesting opportunistic selling moments are happening within the product, right? And so at a PLG company, this nurture program can be even that much more sophisticated in a different way than a sales-led organization. Because sales-led, you're educating. You are really making your prospects champions. You are trying to add a lot of value. And it's not that you're not trying to do that at a product-led company, but at a product-led company, you have usage data. You already have the opportunity to get the product in their hands and add value through the product. And so your nurture streams can leverage all of those insights, all of that extra data, and create that much more personalization to assist sales in streamlining the close of business, in landing and expanding, et cetera, across all of those levers within nurture, within the demand efficiency framework. And so if you're listening to this and you're a product-led company and you're saying, man, Next year looks scary. We need to reduce our cost to acquire. We need to be that much more efficient. These are the ways that you can think about this case with Chris at Box and 
superimpose that on top of your efforts for a product-led sales assist motion. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Chris at Box. Always love chatting with that guy. And uh, I certainly think that if we were to look for a role model within nurture and sales enablement, Chris is doing wonders for our industry and setting a great example. So until our next episode, have a great day, everybody. As always, if you're interested to see how today's company scored on the demand efficiency index, or for that matter, to see all of the companies in the demand efficiency index by industry, selling motion and size, you can join our free Slack community. Uh, There you will be able to interact with every guest who's been on the show and even take the evaluation yourself and see how your company stacks up against prior guests. To join the Slack community, head over to mattermade.co forward slash pod, where you'll see all of the relevant links to join. Again, that's mattermade.co forward slash pod.